Father, I thank you that we get to dig into your word today. And I thank you that your word is truth, is in fact the living word. Father, I pray that you would write it on our hearts today. Holy Spirit, that you would impact us with your truth. Teach us and remind us. Guide us, Holy Spirit. Help us to understand what we read. In the name of Jesus. As we are going to, is a theme right now is simply Jesus. Awesome topic. Um, and we are going to talk about Jesus as the good shepherd, because he is the good shepherd. And he talks about this in uh, John chapter 10. But the thing is that John chapter 10 is just part of the story. And it is such a brilliant story that we can't only take John chapter 10. We have to stop with John chapter 9. And that's why it's going to be slightly more reading than you might have expected. Let's see. So I'm going to start reading this. And I'm telling you how amazing it is. Because when I started to put this, if you look on Bible Gateway, you can make it so it speaks to you. And when I started playing this, or maybe it was the guy's voice that was reading, first Aurelie came in and sat on the sofa and was sneak listening. Then Ethan came in, sat on the sofa, sneak listening. That's because it's the word of God. And it births something in us. So I'm going to start reading this amazing story that I can't put too short, you see. So starting from John chapter 9, and we're going to read right through to um, chapter 10, verse 21 or something. It says like this, yeah? This is loud, isn't it? I'm going to read from New International. Have translators got Bibles? Yes. Great. Okay. So this is Jesus, right? As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. 
What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. And just because I look up, I lose it. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth, how dare you lecture us, and they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, the man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him, in fact he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Very truly I tell you Pharisees, this is continuing in chapter 10. Very truly I tell you Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in, in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. The Jews who had heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? It's like crazy round of applause flipping amazing, isn't it? What? I know, I want to clap. <laughs> this is crazy. You know, one of, the, one of the themes in John, so clearly, you know why he's writing this, he wants us, I've got it here, he wants to tell us, explain to us, help us discover who is this Jesus? Who is it? And one of the reasons that he says he's going to say, um, some seven signs that have happened, we talked about this last autumn, right? The end of last year, the seven signs of John. And this blind man being healed, this is one of those signs that he writes about. And why does he write about it? Why is it important? If we look at Isaiah and the prophecies about Jesus, the signs of the coming of the Messiah, one of those was that he would open the eyes of the blind. I'm going to read this bit here. It's in Isaiah 40, and it's the same chapter in Isaiah that talks about that someone will come, a voice in the wilderness calling, prepare the way for the Lord. It's the same chapter in Isaiah that talks about John the Baptist. And later on, he says, from verse 11, when it starts to talk about who comes after, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Okay, that was the shepherd one. We have another one. He talks about that as a sign of the coming of the messianic age. He who is in gloom and darkness shall see. It says this scroll will be heard by those who have not before heard and the eyes of the blind will be opened. When Jesus opens the eyes of the blind man, blind since birth, it's not just one among many of his, the healings that happened around him. This very specifically something that was talked about as being, this is the Messiah. I think it is amazing when you look at what happened with that blind man, his journey, his confessions about who it was that healed him. 
When they first asked him who did it, he said of him, the man they called Jesus. When they asked him again, well, who do you say that he is? He said, he is a prophet. They called his parents. Not satisfying answers, they called him back. They asked him, but what has happened? How has it happened? This man is a sinner. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But I was blind and now I see. Later he says, he opened my eyes. Later when they ask him, but where is he from? How can you ask where he's from? He's from God, he says. And later when he meets Jesus, and Jesus asks, do you believe in the Son of Man? Tell me who it is, Lord, so I might believe. It's I am speaking to you. I believe, he said, and he worshipped him. This is these guys' confessions as he discovers from not knowing who the heck this guy is, other than he rubbed mud in his eyes, to, I believe you're the son of man and he worships him. And why is it significant that he worships him? When Cornelius, if you read in Acts about Peter, you can check that out later, but Acts 10, Peter is going to see Cornelius, and when he comes into Cornelius' house, Cornelius throws himself on the ground in reverence of him. And Peter says, what are you doing? Get up. I am a normal man. That was my adlib. <laughs> I am a normal man. When the devil was testing Jesus in the desert after he'd been baptized, one of the things he said to him, this is in Luke 4, one of the things that Satan said to Jesus was, bow down and worship you, and I will give you all of this land, all of these people, they will serve you. And Jesus said to him, it is said, and this is in Deuteronomy 6, it is said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When that blind man received his sight, believed in Jesus, and the words that he's saying that lay prostrate and worshipped him. Jesus didn't say to him, get up, what are you doing? I'm a mere man. Which if he had been a mere man, he blowing well should have said. But he didn't. Because he's not a mere man. This term imagery around the shepherd and the sheep pen as we look at John chapter 10, and I think I do have, oh yeah, let's keep that picture, it's awesome, never mind the other thing. So this imagery around the sheep pen, these sheep that are all there, and there's a gate, and there's a guard, and they let them in, but he says there, oh, I got the wrong one up again, yeah. Imagery of the sheep, that would have been so familiar to the people of that time. There were shepherds, lots of people were shepherds. They came with their sheep, and what I've read in a couple of documentaries, do, document, not documentaries, do. No, but in commentaries, thank you God. The German helping the English is great, <laughs> with English. In these commentaries, one of the things they're speaking about is that um, these shepherds would have come in the night, in the evening, back into the town, and they would have all sheep into this giant big enclosure so that they could go and rest a bit and put a guard watching it and that God had to watch those sheep it was his 
responsibility. And just as the imagery that Jesus gives, this isn't like a, a profound mystery in the story he paints up. This is like real life. They know these things. All the sheep are in the pen. The guard watches them. A, she- a thief would climb over the wall because the only one allowed through the door was the shepherd of the sheep. And when the shepherds came, they would call their sheep. And their sheep knew their voice. And they knew their sheep. And they called them and they followed them out. Now, even for these people, it's the Pharisees that he's speaking to and the Jews. Imagery of the people of Israel as being a shepherd that was also very familiar to them. We can read in Ezekiel, you guys with the Bibles, yes, Ezekiel 34. We're going to read the first bit of this. There's many times in the Old Testament that it refers to the people of Israel as being sheep and as the Lord being their shepherd. What it says here in the beginning of Ezekiel chapter 34, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to you shepherds of Israel, who not only take care of yourselves, should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourself with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but do you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth. No one searched for them and looked for them. And if we jump to verse 11, it says, For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the settlements of the land. I will tend them in good pastures, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleep and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And the verse that we looked at before in Isaiah 40 that I looked at a little bit too early. But that was this that talks about first that um, John the Baptist would come and then it's saying, find it now. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The true shepherd of Israel and the good shepherd, 
Jesus is saying, it is him. How do we know that he's the good shepherd? How do we know that he's the true shepherd? The first thing is that he enters the fold via the gate. He doesn't climb over the wall. He enters by the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. These are some of the characteristics of a good shepherd. He knows his sheep. He knows his sheep and his sheep know him. And he leads his sheep. One of the things I read about this is that the, the Jews, they knew the law. They knew the law and they could teach the law. The Pharisees knew the law and could teach the law. How were people to live? But Jesus says to live life to the full. It's not only to know how to live and to follow the law, but it is to follow a master. There is both law and we are following a living Lord. He says he is the gate. What on earth does that mean? The only way a sheep can come to being in the flock of Jesus, part of his body, part of the church, is through Christ. He says, I am the gatekeeper. It's through me. Those who are part of his flock, they will come in and go out and find good pastures. This is relevant too. It isn't huddle and cuddle in the enclosure. And why are the sheep safe? And we can make a mistake in this. Are the sheep safe because they've got wolves around and guard by the door? He says actually they're not because thieves and robbers can climb over the wall. They're not safe because they have walls around them and guard by the door. They're safe because they have a shepherd and he's a good shepherd. And there's so many of the verses that are about him holding and tending and caring for the sheep and feeding them. One of the things he talks about in Ezekiel is also that God was going to put David as the shepherd of his flock. And when you look in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, well it's only one verse, but 1 Samuel 17, when David is saying to Saul why he shouldn't be let to go and fight against Goliath, why him? David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. That's an obvious answer, right? Should be good enough. Let me fight the giant. I have been taking care of sheep. Some of the pictures that we have of the shepherd with the sheep on his knee is giving us the wrong impression. Or it's given us only part of the story. David says to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. I was going to act that out, I thought it would be a bit traumatic. <laughs> you got the hair. 
Why are the sheep safe? Because they have a shepherd who is willing to sacrifice himself for the sheep. That is why this picture is awesome. That is why this picture when Jesus with the thorns around his head is awesome. He's not the hired hand. He's not the leader who calls the sheep out of the pen to follow him and then says, This is a different kind of wounds. 
knows and knows that Jesus bears because he loves his sheep. He loves them. Those are the ones he bears because he loves you. There's some characteristics of the Good Shepherd and I'm going to read them and I would like you, maybe you can um, close your eyes. The Good Shepherd speaks to the sheep. The sheep hear his voice and they know his voice. The good shepherd leads the sheep out and they follow him. In Ezekiel we read that the good shepherd, he strengthens the weak, he heals the sick, he binds up the injured, he brings back the strays, he searches for the lost. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Gently he leads those who have young. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <laughs>